All right. Particularly emotional this morning. Apologize about that. Um, it is <clears throat> our Stewardship Sunday, and uh, as I was praying about this morning, I felt like going in a slightly different direction and reflecting on um, leadership and responsibility, um, which is kind of rare for me. If you, some of you might know, I have a little bit of a soapbox when it comes to leadership. I feel like leadership has become an idol of the American church. And it's always leadership, leadership, leadership. And of course, leadership is important, but sometimes I feel like it's best business practices leadership. And it's not biblical leadership. And that's what I think we should be pressing into, biblical leadership and stewardship. In fact, uh, as a staff, we're reading a, a book, and it's focused on, the author is focused on the Pentateuch. Anyone know what the Pentateuch is? <clears throat> First five books of the Bible, right? And he goes through and looks at those leaders through the Pentateuch and pulls out leadership principles from those leaders. I've been really enjoying a, a different take on leadership, not from the business world, but from the scriptures. And he uh, argues that Joseph, uh, one of the sons of Jacob, is really that, uh, how do you say it, archetypal, that, that, that classic leader in the Old Testament, that classic steward that we can learn from his life. Some of you know Joseph, right? He gets this dream, and he does share it somewhat arrogantly with his brothers, essentially says, you guys are going to bow down to me. And for some reason, they didn't really like that. Um, he was the youngest. And, uh, but they, they were planning on killing him, but they end up selling him into slavery, right? Um, the author of this book, he focuses on the dream and visionary that that Joseph is. In fact, he not only has his own dream from God and believes God's plans and purposes for his life, but he's going to interpret other people's dreams and God's going to use that. But I didn't want to focus in on the dream portion. I wanted to focus in on the portion of right after he's sold into slavery, he's carried into Egypt. If you want have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Genesis 39 with me, and he is carried off, and, um, and he is sold to a guy named Potiphar. And I think what happens to him is amazing. Well, it's tragic in many ways, and yet in the midst of this is some profound lessons on stewardship and leadership that I think would serve us well this morning. So I'm going to actually read the whole chapter. I'm going to go relatively fast. If you want to follow on the screens, if you want to follow in your Bible, if you want to just listen, go ahead and do that. This is Genesis 39. And just be thinking about leadership and stewardship and what God might have for you in this particular chapter. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. 
When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became the attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But Joseph refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Woohoo! Go, Joseph. <laughs> One day, he went into the house to attend to his duties. And none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him the story that Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Quite a story, huh? I'm always struck by the juxtaposition of God was with Joseph, gave him success and favor, and then Joseph ends up in jail, wrongly accused. Right? And how you see that. That doesn't fit our definition of success and favor of God. Now, as, as I was reflecting on this, one of the primary things of the author who's working through the Pentateuch is he defines um, leadership in a different way unlike I'd ever heard. He defines leadership as responsibility. He says, I, I want to suggest 
that leadership is related to responsibility. That it's for those who would take and step in and say, I'll be responsible for that. I'll, I'll take ownership. I'll, I'll jump in in this way. In fact, another story, some of you might know, when, when Joseph interprets the dreams and, and Pharaoh brings him forward and he's, he's like, well, you're going to have seven, seven years of abundance and then seven years of, of, of famine. And then Joseph sees, says, here's what you need to do. You need to find a guy and put him in a place for organization. And Pharaoh's like, who could I... Right? Joseph, like, he couldn't take the job, but he sets it up right in there. In every instance, whether it was Potiphar's house, whether it was at prison at the end, and then ultimately he's going to go from prisoner to prime minister of Egypt. Because he steps in and says, I'll take responsibility. I'll do that. Stewardship Sunday, in some ways is about responsibility. I was thinking about that. It's about a group of people that are co-laborers in Christ. And we say, hey, I'll step in and be a part of what God is doing in this place. Would you think about responsibility? I was thinking about when I was 24 years old and I was in social work. And I was hired on to do, it was drug and alcohol prevention. And uh, we're working, and the guy who hired me, I, I liked my job, but I, I soon realized the guy who hired me was super disengaged in what we were doing. In fact, he was supposed to be the director of prevention, and yet he would like leave and we wouldn't see him for the rest of the afternoon. He had a, he had a couch in his office and we wouldn't see him for a couple hours. He was working, but then he'd come out and he had bedhead on there. And we're like, come on, right? And then he said to us, hey, the executive director, we're not meeting our numbers. We're not doing our things. We got a light of fire. Okay, I'm motivated. And we're like, okay, he's motivated. Two weeks later, he left for another job. So they did a search and they found another director. And, uh, and, uh, this director, they brought him in. I'm not going to say his name. It was a million years ago, but anyways. And I, I, he was just, I don't know any other way to say it. He was socially awkward, okay? And we were like, oh, gosh. And he, it was just difficult, and we did our best, and we're trying to, we're, we're looking for leadership. You know, there's a, a team of four or five of us looking for leadership. And <clears throat> no, he, 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 it just wasn't working. After six months, the executive director fired him. So we were back on as staff trying to figure out our own way and do that. So finally, I decided to go into the executive director's office and say, hey, you don't have to give me a raise. You don't have to give me the office. But if you give me the authority and the director, I, I'm pretty sure I can do a better job than these two guys. And I was young. I was only 24. And uh, they knew I was praying about going into ministry. I was looking at seminaries and so forth. And she said, okay, Eric, you have to stay for a year. You have to commit for a year. I said, that's fair. And so I did it. I stepped in. I said, I'll be responsible. And our, our numbers went up. That's not bragging. It wasn't that difficult. 
it was, it was just basically using some common sense, some teamwork in the same direction, right? But I just said, and as a staff, it was great. It was, we were able to say, okay, this is what we're, and it was just a matter of taking responsibility from, for a greater sense of things. Like being a part of a team and saying, okay, I'll be responsible for that. Again, if you would apply this, better move this, if you would apply that to church this morning, there's a neat passage in, um, uh, in uh, uh, 1 Peter says this, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. I love that. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. What a neat phrase. As faithful stewards of God's grace in all its various forms. Right? There's a grace of salvation and forgiveness that we talked about at the table. I would say it's been suggested this form of grace is about service, is about saying, hey, I'll step up, I'll be counted, I'll identify the gifts that God has given me, those passions, and I'll step into that. I will steward God's grace, this serving grace, and make a difference in whatever community I'm in. I would say the community of faith that we find ourselves and in the greater community we would place that in. That that's a, a vital part of kingdom life is that we say, all right, we recognize that God's grace in its various forms, he invites us to steward, to lead, to engage in some way. You heard Scott on the video, right, share some different ways in which we serve the community. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever jumped into Marion House? Have you ever stepped in and, and volunteered in all the different ways that are available? Have you thought about being counted as serving in some way, even in the simplest way of greeting and hospitality? Right? Do it without grumbling, but hospitality, right? Blessing people who come. We put, did we put this in the bulletin? My bulletin did not have one. Do you guys have one? Okay. W would you just take a look at this for a moment? And this is really meant for you and God, for you to pray through. We can collect it if you want next week. We're not going to, but really you could Pray about it, and you could put it on your refrigerator, or you could put it on your, uh, in your Bible as a reminder. And really, this is a helpful guide, right, to say, and we always approach stewardship with that time and that talent and that treasure that we have. What does it look like to commit to being that first little gray area, that first commitment of time how would the lord want to give 
have myself give more of my time away in serving others, a little bit less about me and more about others. All right? Hold on to that. We're going to come back to that. I want to look at another principle, of course. I think the powerful principle, um, perhaps the most powerful principle, is Joseph, is he refuses the advancements of Potiphar's wife. He recognizes it. Look at verse 9 again, 39. He says, My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? I love that not only does he resist the temptation, but he also recognizes that it would be sin against Potiphar, but also specifically against God. That how he served matters. That integrity matters. That attitude matters. Doesn't our world need leaders and stewards like Joseph today? It, it's not just about what we do. It's not just about how we serve or, or what the, the area of service. It's about how we do it. And scripture focuses not just on, on sin, but also, you, you heard in the first Peter passage, it focuses us on our attitude, the posture of our heart, and how we serve in those ways. And I want you to hear that important ways that we're not just asking you to say, hey, how could I serve in what respective area? But we're also asking you before God, would you reflect on how you serve? Are you serving in such a way that reflects integrity, that reflects an attitude that, that is honoring Christ Jesus? I was thinking about... Um, our Alpha course, we, we just got, we completed our Alpha course, and there was about 15 adults in our living room, and it was great fun, and the video was fun, and, and we had three women, I didn't get their permission to embarrass them, but they volunteered to say, yes, we'll just serve. They, they just serve, not get anything, so Stacy for meals, and then Veda and Nancy for uh, watching the kids, and they just, right, was there benefit? I'm sure maybe they got some benefit out of doing that because we do when we serve in that way. But they, they just served. We, we had the kids upstairs in our loft area and we had a little bit more kids oftentimes than we had anticipated. Sometimes we had 10 kids upstairs in our loft area. And, and Veda and Nancy would walk, come down the stairs after, and they were kind of a little bit shell-shocked, like, the, uh, uh, that. I mean, it's just too small of an area. It's just right. Never a word of complaint. Never a, I, I'm done. I could see they were ready for Alpha to be completed, yes. But the attitude, the love in which that they brought on our kids was a beautiful perspective. I don't know if my attitude would have been so great with 10 kids up in the loft, right? Yeah, but they did that. I want you to think. Now, in terms of treasure, 
even in our treasure and our giving, the Apostle Paul surprisingly talks about the heart. Did you know that? He actually doesn't talk about percentages. He doesn't talk about um, the 10th the part. What he focuses on, look at, so this is 2 Corinthians 9, 7. He says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. He's saying this is a heart thing. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. If you walked away from this Sunday feeling guilt and so you gave more to the church, it would be a miss on my part from the pulpit, right? When we've done our partners classes and we've talked about time, talent, and treasure, in the past, not so much recently, but people have asked, now, is it tithing? So do you tithe from your net or from your gross? Have you ever wondered that before? Some, some of us do, right? Right? I think that's asking the wrong question. I shared before that I believe that the, the tenth part, the tithe, serves as a guide, but not a legalistic approach, right? So if this is of help and service, I don't, not everybody has to do this. This is something, a, a practice I adopted when I was raising my own support for college ministry, but that in inviting, so I try and tithe 10% to uh, uh, 5% roughly to the church and 5% to greater ministries or people or just generosity. That, I use it as a guide. I don't know if I hit specifically those numbers. I'm not doing uh, net or gross. I'm doing my best to follow this passage of scripture. And I say, Lord, so let's talk about how do you want me to be generous this year? How do you want me to be a good steward of my money? And I want to do it in joy. I don't want to do it under compulsion, the wrong attitude. I don't want to do it in such a way of what I expect from the people I give money to. I want to do it generously and graciously and in love, cheerfully. And boy, I, I've been able to grow in my level of joy, right? I, I, I just naturally, just part of my flesh, I can be pretty cheap and stingy. And as I've tried to approach and say, no, 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 I want to be generous. I want to, I want to delight in what I'm giving to and who I'm giving to. Just recently wanted to give to an individual Hadn't planned on it, but was talking just a special gift, uh, a gift of blessing felt led. And so I mentioned it to Kendra. And so uh, I was about to uh, write the check and I get a text from her suggesting an amount. It was two times to three times more than I had planned. <laughs> I had to check my attitude for just a moment. Say, so could I still be cheerful? My, my wife is a generous soul, and God uses her to numerous times to give over to that, right? But it was, a, it was just a neat moment of really being able to go, okay, that was a little bit more than I anticipated, 
And yet, yes, I would love to bless this individual in this way. That's really how we're asking you to approach this. Actually, not just with treasure, but time, talent, and treasure. That would you say, yeah, I want to be a part of what God is doing. I want to step into those moments, and I don't want to do it under compulsion. I don't want to do it out of guilt. I don't want to do it because I preached a sermon at you on that. No. I want to, before the Lord, say, God, how can we, can I live generously with my time, talent, and treasure? Here's the final principle that, uh, look at the very end of the story again, right? But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. I have to admit, I don't know if I would have said yes to the warden if I was in Jordan, uh, uh, Joseph's shoes. Right? I, I might have been a little bitter. right? Maybe even a little upset at God. God, I, I was doing the right thing. In fact, my brothers sold me in slavery. And I was doing the right thing, the right thing by Potiphar. And you were with me and you were blessing me. And then I said no to her and then uh, turned and wrongly accused and I'm in prison with no hope of getting out? I think that's partly what makes Joseph the, the classic leader. Is we're, we're not filled in in any way. Did he, did he wrestle with bitterness? Did he wrestle with unforgiveness? Did he wrestle with hate in his heart? Did he start planning how he might, if he ever gets out, revenge on Potiphar's wife and Potiphar himself? We don't get any of that. We just see him doing what Joseph does. Taking responsibility and serving in this place that God has for him and receiving God's favor and his blessing. I think this brings us back to Galatians we just finished. Galatians 6, 9, and 10. Let us not become weary in doing good. Because that's central to living life in God's kingdom. We are a people who are meant to do good to all people. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Do you ever grow weary of doing good? Do you ever grow weary of doing the right thing? If I'm honest, this has been a weary week for me. And a difficult one. Yeah, I can feel it. There's a, a little bit of a grind. Relationally, specifically. Right? And it works at my soul. 
I have to go back to, to Joseph's story. Back to this Galatians 6. Lord, help me in my weariness. Help me to keep praying. Help me to keep serving. Help me to keep loving even my enemies. I think that's the invitation for us. That we're, we're meant to be a people of, of generosity, of goodness, of blessing, of love. And I was thinking, how desperate is our world and our country right now, right? I mean, think of, just hold in comparison, right, the, the invitation of kingdom life to, to not grow weary, to, to take responsibility, to live with integrity, with the right uh, um, attitude, to, to bless others, and to pray for enemies, right? To, to be this, this people of force, of good, and then hold all of those invitations in the midst of our culture of divisiveness and, and murder, right? And evil and, and hate that's spewed and divisiveness and bitterness and unforgiveness and ah, uh, how desperate does Colorado Springs need us to be the church? How desperate does Colorado and our country and our world need, the church needs to be the church. So this is a stewardship Sunday for our community of faith, yes. And yeah, he, he says don't give up doing, uh, doing good to all people, especially the community of faith, yeah. So we... So I, I do want you to, to take this and, and reflect. But would you reflect not just for Springs Community Church, not just for this church. Would you just reflect in your life, in your areas of influence, in your areas of need? Where would God have you be generous not just here in SEC, but in Colorado Springs, in Colorado, in the nation, and around the world. He's inviting us to be a people of love, a people who are, are generous and not self-centered. Man, our culture needs that, doesn't it? Not people who are critical and judgmental, but a people who are sharing the love of Jesus Christ with any and all people. And when we grow weary, saying, Lord, I, I need your grace this day. I need you to keep, keep filling me and anointing me and leading me to be this person of love. Would you pray with me?
just want to give you a little bit of time. To just, again, you can utilize the faith commitment card to whatever degree you feel led to do. Just say, what's the Lord inviting you to do today? As you think about the new year, it's pretty close. Is there an area of service, of kindness that you can jump into? If you say, you know, I'll take responsibility just in a small way for this. Is there a way financially maybe redirect or sacrifice something to, to give a little bit more? And time, time is, of course, a, a precious commodity. Is there a way that I could be more generous with my time? Just take a few moments to be with the Lord personally.